This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Luke chapter number 9, the book of Luke chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to prepare for a time together in the Word tonight. Amen. God's faithfulness endures forever. Is there anybody else in here who enjoys watching one of those shows that takes a house that uh, most people would burn to the ground and turn it around. I love watching the transformation from what was to, about to be destroyed to being changed into something that's being saved. Okay, And I am uh, so thankful that God takes what's about to be destroyed and transforms it into something saved. Amen? But there's a process of transformation, okay? And we're going to talk about that of Luke chapter number 9. We're going to begin in verse number 28. Now, we're going to come back to some other verses in this passage, but we're going to begin in verse number 28 of Luke chapter number 9. I want to call this message tonight, Eight Days Later. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, and when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Anybody else ever, ever been there? Where you, you're kind of startled, you're waking up, and, and you never know what they're going to say. Some of you will commit to things. Remember back when, when the, we used to have home phones, and your phone would ring, and it'd be a sales marketer, and you'd buy something and never know it because you, they woke you up? He's, he wakes up, and he says, Whew, wow, it's, it's too good for us to even to be here. Uh, well, let us make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I mean, what kind of thing? He wakes up and he says, let us build three, three tents, three buildings, three tabernacles, three booths, as it were in Hebrew. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. Notice this. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. So we have a mountaintop experience that we call the mountain of transfiguration. 
Jesus goes up and is transformed uh, literally on the mountain. His glory is revealed, and he, so he begins to reveal who he is, and as he's revealing who he is, his glory is revealed. Peter wakes up, makes these statements that seem out of place, and then Scripture tells us very plainly that they kept this to themselves. Now let me frame for you tonight what I want to talk to you about. In the realm of physics, there's something called an event horizon. And an event horizon defines a boundary between anything on one side of the speed of light and anything on the other side of the speed of light. Now, we could get all technical about this and, and how that light goes so far that, you, that, there, that the, it goes beyond what we can even see with the human eye. But long story short, what, uh, short, what we're seeing here is this. That there are going to be moments, there are going to be times that you're going to come to uh, what is and what was. You're going to have moments of marked definition from this concept that there's going to be a moment when you encounter the line of the light. And when you encounter the line of the light, there's going to be a change from before and on the other side of the light. Can I tell you that there needs to be a change in your way of living and in your way of thinking on the other side of encountering the light of Jesus Christ. There needs to be a difference in your life. So you come to an event horizon. And any time you reach the outer limits of your knowledge or the outer limits of your experience, you have come to an event horizon. You're going to come to places that you don't know how to go to the other side. You don't know how to get free. You don't know how to walk in victory. You don't know how to walk in the deliverance that God has for you. And so you only go as far as you know how to go. And you keep doing the things that you've been doing all along. But there's an encounter with God that you can have that will shine the light of Jesus Christ into your life. That will move you from before you've been to the light and to the other side of the light. And it will mark your life. It is at these places where, where you reach the end of reason. And if you will, at the only thing that, that's going to get you to the other side of the light, listen to me carefully, the only thing that's going to get you to the other side of the light when you've gone as far as you can on your own. Let me just, just this wasn't in my notes, but let me say this. Most of the time, we know exactly what we need to do to get where we want to go. We just don't want to do what we need to do. But then there's those moments that we've hit our head against the wall over and over and over again, and we don't know where to go. What you need at that moment is a revelation from God. Not only a revelation from God, but you need a revelation of God. And it's only faith that will take you beyond the event horizon in who God is because it will take you beyond your abilities and your senses and it will move you somewhere into the supernatural of what God has for your life. And now I've learned that you can't go beyond your event horizon until something happens. Are you ready? Until you die to self. Until you learn that your ways that got you this far cannot take you on the other side of the event horizon. When you realize that the reason you are where you are, and listen to me, this is hard, but the reason that you are where you are is not someone else's fault. 
Now you go, wait a minute, you don't know what so-and-so did. No, 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 I, I'm not saying they didn't harm you, but I'm saying what you did with what they did is all your responsibility. And so we come to this place to where we have to then process what have I done? And what I have done brings me to this place, so I need a revelation that will help me get beyond what I know how to do. And when I do that, I have to begin to die to self. And when you die to self, something changes. Something happens. So with that as a frame, that God wants to bring you to a place that moves you from where you can go to the other side where he can take you, the other side of the light where he can take you, that can only occur when you die to yourself. I want to take you back to Luke 9, 28 for just a moment there. About eight days after Jesus said this. Now listen, that's what verse... 28 says, about eight days later, I didn't plan this in my notes, but it tells me that Jesus said something that he needed to let marinate in them for a while. He put something inside of them that they needed, and it was growing in them. It was, it was gnawing at them. It was working on them. And so, as he puts this inside of them, God's doing something. Now, I'm going to tell you what he said eight days before in just a minute. But it is obvious that the writer here is connecting the experience that just happened. Now, listen to me. He's connecting what they just experienced with a time frame, and it's very significant. Now, what did they just experience? They experienced Jesus taking Peter, John, and James with him and going up the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed or changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. So Jesus says, hey, come go up the mountain with me to the mountain of transformation, and I'm going to let you be a part of this transformation that's going to occur. You're going to get to have a part in the transformation. But the writer wants us to realize that the transformation does not get revealed to them until eight days. Eight days after something has been put inside of them. This is important. Are you awake? All right, you're like, get there, Pastor. I'm trying. So Jesus climbs the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's totally transformed. Now, before I, I say this, I want, you to, I want you just to prepare your heart for what the Holy Spirit's about to put inside of you. This is important. And I want to bring it the way that God wants me to bring it. But notice this. Jesus is totally transformed before their eyes. And it is one of the greatest moments of their lives. It is a holy moment. It is literally an event horizon. They will never be the same after they've witnessed the transformation of the glory of Christ. It will always be, this is how we saw him before, but when I saw him in the light, something changed. Something shifted. When I saw him in the, are you following me? All right, stay with me here. It's worth going with me. Now, this event horizon, I don't think, could have happened to them unless they had received what they received 
eight days earlier. Why? Because everybody wants to climb the mountain of transfiguration. Everybody wants to go up the mountain because we all love mountaintop experiences. Everybody wants to go up the mountain and we want to experience something amazing. We want to experience something awesome. We want to experience something miraculous. I don't feel like this is an easy message tonight, but I feel like I'm on assignment because all of us want something supernatural to happen in our lives so that we know that God loves us and we know that he's real and we want God to change who we are because we all love those mountaintop transformations that occur. Why? Because we want to be transformed. We want to be able to go up the mountain one way and come down another. We want to be able to carry, watch this now, carry all of our baggage up the mountain and leave it laying there. And boy, that'll preach. Leave it, leave it there, leave it there. We even sing about it. Come on. We want that to occur. We're desperate for life change. We're desperate for transformation. We want to go up and we want to be transformed. But most of us, we want, though we want to go up the mountain of transfiguration, the truth is we don't know how to climb the mountain. We don't know how to be transfigured. We want it, but we don't know how to get there, and we don't know what to do. You see, we don't know how to cross the event horizon. We don't know how to go to the other side of the light, and that's what I want to talk to you about. So let's rewind for a minute. Scripture says for eight days, something had been inside of them, and after eight days, he says, now you're ready. Now you're ready for transformation. Would you just, just help me for a moment tonight and say, I'm ready for transformation. But are you really ready? Because everybody's ready, but are you ready? How many of you are ready to go on vacation? Can I see your hand? How many of you are literally, the bag's packed and you're ready right this second? Anybody? I've got three of you who are super prepared. The rest of you said, no, no, it's not, it's not packed, but I can have it in 5.2 minutes. Come on now, right? Just give me a moment. But see, the problem is, if, you're, if your moment were a glimpse at a speed of light, you're not ready. And sometimes we need to realize that what God's wanting to do in our lives, that we, we need to be sitting on the ready. And so for eight days, something had been stirring inside of them that was going to get them ready to be transformed. So what was it? Well, let's back up. Same chapter, verse number 21. This is what helps them get ready. Luke 9, 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. It's amazing they're still thinking about keeping it quiet eight days later. The Bible says they didn't tell anybody what they saw. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them, watch this now, this is, this is what's going to make you ready. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be ready, must deny themselves. 
Some of you already sit down on me. And take up your cross. If you want to be ready for an event horizon to get to the other side of the transformation, you need to get ready on this side. And the way you're going to do that is learn to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus, he said. Follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. About eight days after this, Jesus said, now you're ready to go up the mountain. He told them, you're going to have to take up your cross. Start denying what you want. Follow my path. And after eight days of that word working inside of them, he said, okay, guys, come on now, let's go. Let's go up the mountain. So is it possible there is a connection between the Mount of Transfiguration and what Jesus says about taking up your cross? Let me ask you a question. How do you climb the Mountain of Transfiguration? Well, you have to take up your cross. You see, transformation occurs when we carry our cross. Transformation occurs when we carry the cross. Let me just say that again. What does that even mean to carry my cross? Well, it means a lot of different things, but let's let the text define it for, our, for itself. Here's what he said. Unless you deny yourself and take up your cross. Uh-oh. What is it, does it mean then to deny myself? If taking up my cross is a form of self-denial, there has to be self-denial involved. But more than that, if you really want to appreciate the passage, I think we've got to understand that the cross in this culture was the symbol of torture. It was, it was one of the worst ways you could die. We can't water this down. It was something that, that I want you, I want you to get this in your mind, that it wasn't some high lofty concept to them that, that, that they would wear in a beautiful, uh, colored, uh, 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 pendant around their neck. No, the cross was a symbol of torture and pain and death. So literally what Jesus was saying here, to steal from a, a phrase from the 80s and 90s, what Jesus was saying here is no pain, no gain. If you're not willing to go through some pain to, to, to serve Jesus, then you're never going to get anywhere with Jesus. It's going to cost you something. How come I've been preaching about blessing and you've been shouting me down? And now I'm saying Jesus wants to transform. He wants to bless you in such a way that you're so radically transformed, you're so radically changed that you're not even going to recognize who you are anymore. When God gets through on the other side of your event horizon, God wants to take your past and leave it back there where it belongs and give you a future. And But the way that you're going to have to do that is you watch this now. You're going to have to transform yourself through some self-denial. No, I'm not going to be hypocritical about that. If I wanted to transform myself through self-denial, I have no business going down the Little Debbie aisle at the grocery store. I have no business going back for seconds. Oh, I caught all of you on that one, didn't I? Amen. You see, you're going to have to change the way you live 
if you want to change who you are. And you're going to have to say, I really want it, but I want that more. And you're going to have to pay the price. I want something of this world, but I want something you can't buy in this world. I want to, to go and, and deal with my stress this way, but I can go and feel the power of the delivering presence of God, but I can't do it via the, my old way of doing things. I've got to deny myself, and I've got to start moving toward Jesus, and as I move toward Jesus, I'm, there's, watch this, there may be some pain of self-denial, but the pain, it does not compare to the gain that wakes, because the gain is better. Amen. You see, we all want to, we all want to climb up and be transformed. We all want to go back and to the high school reunion and make everybody else think, well, what did you do? Well, it's going to require us to get on the treadmill. Come on now. That's a dirty word, but let me preach on. <laughs> Watch this. Literally, my notes, it says treadmill, and then it says symbol of torture. Come on. Talking about the cross. A little bit, it says treadmill, symbol of torture, a symbol of death. I'm talking about the cross. See, I'm suggesting that if you're going to grow into the image of Christ, and if you're going to be transformed into his image, there is no way it's going to happen without some death along the way. Let me try to explain what I mean by that. You're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to die to selfishness. You're going to have to die to greed. You're going to have to die to pride, lust, sin. I was just waiting on your part. You see, there's a reason why Jesus said, Take up your cross daily. Because every day you, you really have to die again. And I know that sounds morbid, but here's the deal. The key to life is death. See, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And we want that abundant life. But if the key to life is death then that means if I want an abundant life, I've got to be willing to let a whole lot of things die. Y'all like it when I'm positive. This is truth. And I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to say, let's do this together. We all have areas that need to be transformed. We've got to let God work in who we are. And we totally, the problem is we totally compartmentalize the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And we think it doesn't have anything to do with us and the way we live our lives. But you see, you can't become like Jesus without experiencing what Jesus experienced. And he said the son of man must suffer in that scripture. Many things will be rejected by the elders and do we really think that we can become like Jesus if we don't experience some suffering and rejection? 
People are not going to understand why we believe the way we believe. They're not going to understand why you used to be able to do that and now you can't. God's good. You see, I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't like suffering. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean I haven't had it. I've experienced some suffering. And it may not compare to yours, or it may be greater than yours. I don't know. I think that's the problem. We feel like we've earned our stripes. Here's what I found. For my suffering, there's much of it I would never want to go through ever again. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it. Because what he taught me in the middle of that storm is what helped me. It's what changed my life. It's what transformed me into the person that I am little bit by bit. I think, you know, when I went into some storms, I, I felt one way. When I came out the other side, I, I was convinced that how wrong I had been and then suddenly I realized I might be just a little bit more like Jesus now because I was less judgmental. You know, I had a young man preach his message in here one day and, and he, he preached it was his first sermon and he, he got up and he just, he told everybody, uh, I mean, you think this has been hard. I mean, he, he was like, you're, you're, may I just pick on you for a minute, Kyle? You're going to hell. And I was like, He's like, you wore a gray shirt. You're going to hell. It may not be gray, but it's what it looks like in the shadow. And I'm like, dude, have a little grace. Afterwards, he's like, how was that? I said, well, son, your point was clear. (laughs) I said, but I want to hear you preach that again in 20 years. When you needed a little more grace. Because it's what I learned through the pain that helps me become more like Jesus. And he came not with judgment, not to condemn the world, but to rescue the world. You see, here's what he said. He said it this way. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now in 1896... Alfred Nobel had a very rare experience. Someone misunderstood something he said and published in a newspaper, or something that was said about him published his obituary in a newspaper. And uh, you can imagine Mr. Nobel's surprise when he began to read his own obituary. As he began to read, he read about his inventions. And what a lot of people don't understand is that he had 355 patents in his lifetime, but one had single-handedly changed uh, the world, and that was the invention of dynamite. And as Nobel had, had created this weapon of, uh, that could, this, this substance for building purposes, and actually his brother was even killed uh, uh, by it in a, an explosion in a factory, but as he created that, it became quickly an instrument for uh, death on the battlefield, 
And so as he's reading his, his obituary, he realizes that he is being credited. He, his, the, what they say about him at his death is he's being credited with killing more people than anybody in history. He's overwhelmed. He hoped they would remember his great accomplishments, but instead he's broken. His pride is destroyed. His self-estimation quickly becomes an actualization of what people see, and he literally is transformed in a moment. As a result of reading his own obituary, he used the $9 million fortune that he had to establish a prize that's still given today called the Nobel Peace Prize, to where he would honor those who would do well with physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and peace. People that would take his effort and the fortune he'd made off death and destruction and turn it for good. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever written your obituary? I mean, just imagine if right now at this stage of your life, if you had to sit down and write your obituary, what would it say? That might be a really good task. I don't know. To write your obituary. This is what they accomplished with their life. This is what they did. And I just think that maybe if we were to look at where we are, we might realize we need to be transformed. We need to change. Because working yourself to death won't help anybody. Amassing a fortune doesn't really last. But doing something that carries the cross of Christ to the world is an event horizon that shows what happens when somebody crosses the light. You see, we're supposed to be dead. I mean, we're supposed to be dead. You see, what I mean by that is when you put your faith in Christ, we die to self and come alive with Jesus. So if we're supposed to be dead, then technically this side of that event horizon should have an obituary. Oh, I love it when the Holy Spirit just just goes, there you go. That's why you're preaching. What have we been talking about this year, 2020? Double. Watch this. This side before Christ should have an obituary. And according to the scripture, you're dead to that old person. You shouldn't be living that way anymore. But if it's doubled on this side, you need a change. You need a transformation. So what does it say now? This is who he was, and this is what Jesus... Oh, that's called a testimony. Oh, a testimony is the story of your transformation. So what happens is this. When we die to sin, something begins to change in who we are. That doesn't mean we're sinless, but it means that I'm not pursuing the same things I once pursued. And I'm finding that there's a power within me in Christ to overcome who I used to be. 
He takes, watch this, He takes you out of the way and then you begin to live for the purposes of God. It's no longer about serving uh, God serving your purposes. Now it's about you serving God's purposes. It's no longer about your agenda for God. It's about God's agenda for you. It's no longer about us being glorified. It's about Jesus being glorified through us. And it takes some time to marinate. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 2 says this. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Notice this word. Renew them in our day and in our time. Make them known. What a beautiful scripture. Lord, I've heard of how amazing you are. I, I, I can't believe all the things I've heard that you've accomplished, God. God, would you renew them in our day? So let me define the word renew for you. The word renew means bring back to life, which means what? The word renew, meaning bringing back to life, means that renewal requires what? Death. You can't experience renewal unless something dies. You can't be transformed by trying to carry who you were on this side of the event horizon over to the other side. Something's got to change. Now look, some of you are going, Pastor Don, I, I, I just can't change. I've tried. Well, the problem is you're trying it in your own power. I'm talking about crossing through the light of Jesus Christ that gives you his power. Listen to me carefully, though. But instead of saying, okay, God, tomorrow I'm changing absolutely everything, why don't you say, God, reveal in me where you want to start. Renew a right spirit within me. Create within me a clean heart. See, let God start working in here before you start. See, most of us, we start working out here. and we, God said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's die to all the old way of thinking. Let's die to all the old way of talking. Let's die to all, all the whole ways of, of the actions that, and motivations of your life. And let's get you changed on the inside of here. And then that's going to change everything out here. And you're going to find that, you, that you're not, you're going to go, ooh, I, I'm sorry when God gives me a silly illustration, but can I just obey God? Is that okay? I'll never forget this day. When, when we would go up to see my grandmother, and we lived in Atlanta, and they lived up at Lake Hartwell area in Livonia. This was a couple hours. and When we'd go to see my grandmother... When we'd walk through the door, we'd have, you know, we'd pray there was a chocolate cake, but if there was no chocolate cake, we, we'd always ask for this certain kind of food. And, and she would gladly oblige. <laughs> and it was a certain kind of processed canned meat. I'll never forget this day. I mean, we were, we, were, we were making our, our gelatinous sandwiches. <laughs> Sorry, it's gross, I know. but And as I pop open the can, I've now learned to read. 
And I'm, some of you are going, I love that stuff. Well, God bless your hearts. <laughs> That's a southern phrase, isn't it? <laughs> I start reading the can. And I'm like, heart, brain, intestines. <laughs> Protein, yeah, there you go. Now watch this. And I remember I said, no thank you, Grandma. She said, Why? what's wrong? And I said, have you seen what's in this? She's like, yeah, it's delicious, isn't it? I was like, Grandma, I can't eat that. Knowledge changed what I always wanted. Because once I knew better, I no longer wanted what I'd wanted before. Knowledge changes what I've always wanted. And I can't go there anymore. I can't talk that way anymore. I can't be that way anymore. Because he's changed who I am. He's empowered me. And I know as silly as that illustration, it was an event horizon in my life. From that day forward... I have never had that again. Never even been tempted again. Silly as that is, imagine what has a hold of you right now. Just imagine it for just a moment. We can start over here and we'll all name it. No, I'm just playing, just playing. <laughs> Somebody's like, time to go. <laughs> So remember, you can't experience renewal unless something dies. So whatever has you needs the light of the knowledge of Christ to encounter it. And you look back and you go, how did I ever do that? I promise you what you think you can never beat can become something from your past that you'll go, what was I thinking? So I guess that gives us one last question. What needs to die? What needs to marinate in your heart? I don't know. From what Jesus said, you got to take up, you can deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So what needs to get, what, what's he going to do in you? I don't know. But it took eight days for Peter, James, and John to get get that working inside of them. And he said, okay, now you're ready. If you'll let this change you, he will change you. He loves us. Let me see if I have anything else around here while you stand up. Here's what I wrote to close this message. The reason why the renewal doesn't come the way we want it to come is because something has not died in us yet. The reason we're not transformed yet is because we're still holding on to something. We have the same obituary on both sides of our faith. Something needs to change. 
Father, I thank you for this night, and I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your power and your grace and your goodness. God, I ask you for your strength and your mercy just to flow into us and through us. And Lord, that we would allow whatever it is you're wanting to happen in us to happen, and that we would pay the price for the gain that is waiting. Because you've already bought our right to that. We just need to let go of whatever's holding us back. Father, forgive us and cleanse us. Come on, somebody needs to pray that. Forgive us and cleanse us, oh God. You see where we need to deny ourselves, Lord, and you know where everyone in this room is different. What they need is knowledge so they can see clearly through the light. Through the light of knowledge, everything changes. Everything changes. In Jesus' name. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.